going to go right in. So open up your Bibles to uh, Exodus chapter 20. We continue our series in Exodus. We're in this section uh, where we're focusing on the Ten Commandments. We have made it to Commandment 9. <laughs> Are you excited about that? Not really, I can see. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, let's see. Uh, how God continues to reveal himself, reveal who we are, giving us a mirror to show us our sin and our unrighteousness, and how we are distorting the truth of God's word, and at the same time, restraining us from ungodliness, and all the more pointing us to the person and work of Jesus, who is our righteousness. Amen? So let's go to Exodus 20. I'm going to read 1 through 16. I encourage you to follow along with me. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. Verse 7, You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not Commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. This is God's word and all God's people said, Amen. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth? The whole truth and nothing but the truth. So help you, God. This is the very question that was asked of Edward Fink. He was a California state jailhouse informant who, in 1984, testified in the case against. Tommy Thompson. According to Mr. Fink, Thompson confessed to him that he had raped and then killed a woman by the name of Ginger Fleishley. 
After many failed appeals, on July 14, 1988, four years later, Thompson was executed for his crime. Sadly enough, further investigation revealed that Edward Fink lied on the stand under oath for his own legal benefit. Mr. Fink was a false witness. He committed perjury. He had sworn to tell the truth, the whole truth and nothing but the truth, but he lied. And Mr. Thompson unjustly lost his life because of it. When lies are told, lives are lost. In another case against Glenn Ford, he was charged on November 5, 1983 with the murder of Isidore Roseman, an elderly white man. During the investigation, a woman gave sworn testimony that implicated Mr. Ford. Mr. Ford was tried and sentenced to death. But for 29 years, Mr. Ford continued to file post-conviction papers. He wanted to fight for his case. And it turns out that in 2013, 29, well, 30 years later, that new evidence came forward. A witness, a confidential informant, came forward and told a jury that someone else had confessed to killing Mr. Roseman. And after 30 years of being in prison, a witness who told the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, allowed Mr. Ford to walk justly. You see, when when lies are told, lives are lost. But when the truth is proclaimed, lives are saved. Truth, the truth, speaking it, is foundational to serving justice in society, isn't it? Some may say that the difference between truth and falsehood is a crevice. It's not really that far. Especially in today's world where truth is just kind of being grayed and relativized. And so we could see that some would think that the difference between truth and falsehood is simply a crevice. But when lives are at stake, which they are, we see that it's much more than that. It's a chasm, a great distance between truth and falsehood, and that the truth matters. Verse 16, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, becoming the basis of a justice system. Basically this, for the people of God, when people sin against you, let's stop there for a moment. He doesn't say, if someone sins against you. If a crime is committed and you are the victim of it, or if you see a sin or a crime being committed, the expectation is that no matter how inconvenient or 
difficult or uncomfortable it may be for you to speak the truth, you must not bear false witness against your neighbor. You must tell the truth. It becomes the foundation of how we deal with sin, how we deal as a society with criminal activity. You must not bear false witness against your neighbor. Doug Stewart says that a court system of a nation depends on the honesty of its people. Truth matters. Lives are at stake. Now today, Jerry, you may speak into it and say, well, we've got forensic evidence, we've got DNA evidence, we've got all these... But for this time, you don't, you don't have that. In many ways, you have one word against another. And so truth becomes foundational to justice being served. And again, I think that should speak to us because we're such a, a society that craves justice. This is unjust. It's not fair, we cry. Social justice is like a major now in college. Forget math. Social justice. Believe me, I'm not trying to be condescending, but it's, it's a big deal for us as a society. And so in our pursuit of justice, interestingly enough, we have this other side where we're struggling to understand and know and apply the truth. We're, we're liars. We're confused. Falsehood has weaved itself into the fabric of society. Tell me I'm lying. No pun intended. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Again, the Lord continuing to set for his people expectations regarding how his people are to relate to one another. Love God. Love neighbor. We love one another when we speak the truth. We do not love one another when we speak falsely. So we look at this verse, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, and we see the explicit prohibition, don't bear false witness. But Riken talks about the fact that when we look at the law, we have to see it from two sides. There's the explicit prohibition, but there's also the implicit prescription. Okay? It's not sufficient to just not do something. Not lie, not murder, not steal. As we looked at last week, not, steal, or not stealing is one thing, but what the Lord really has for us is to be a contradiction to theft, to be those who steward our resources, those who sacrifice what God has given to us for the needs and benefits of one another. It's not just not doing something, it's doing something that represents the righteousness of the God that we worship. And so we see throughout the scriptures, thinking through it from this lens, what? That the people of God are to speak truth to one another. That's what we do. Those uh, who are redeemed by the Lord are those who, the fabric of who they are, the, the practice of what they do is that they speak truth to each other. Zechariah 8 says, these are the things that you shall do. Speak the truth to one another. Render in your, ga in your gates judgments 
that are true and make for peace. The connection between truth in a society, in a community, and peace. Ephesians 4, 25, Therefore, having put away all falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. You see? Again, we're scratching the surface here. So many other texts and, and, and examples throughout the Bible where it's just the expectation is that we are those who speak the truth. We are not silent in reference to the truth, just staying away from a lie, but we're those who are actively speaking truth in the midst of our relationships and community. It's what we do. This is God's expectation for His people. The Lord is calling us as His people to an unwavering commitment to the truth. An unwavering commitment to the truth. Even in a post-truth, post-modern society in which we live. Someone may ask, well, why? Right? The truth is, is relative. It's not absolute. Why would we need to speak the truth to one another. Why such a, a big deal about that? Considering truth is really something that you can discover inside of yourself. It's not something that you really need to be told about or something objective coming and being revealed to you. It's something that you discover inside of yourself. So you speak whatever's inside you, whatever feels right, whatever seems to be right for the moment and the situation that serves your happiness. That's what you should speak. Not the truth. I mean, I guess in that moment it would be considered the truth. But in a day and age where truth is subjective, it's in us. It's not objective outside of us and needing to be revealed to us. It's kind of up for grabs. Suitable for the moment and for really what we long for, our own personal immediate happiness. Why such an emphasis on truth when there's really nothing out there that applies to any or, or all of us? There's no meta narrative. There's no real uh, assurance that one thing is true and another thing is false. So it seems kind of ancient and archaic and outdated to think that there is a truth that is unchanging and that's to be spoken in such a way to combat falsehood and lies that really cause community to crumble. So why? Why such an emphasis on speaking the truth? Why is God expecting this? Well, first of all, we speak the truth because we worship the Lord who is the truth. Remember what the law is. It's a representation of His righteousness. It's a revelation of who He is. And the people of God, what? Are those who represent Him. God desires that His people represent who He is. And He is the truth. The Lord is the one true God, the Scriptures teach. Jeremiah 10.10, 10, right? 
but the Lord is the true God. He is the living God and the everlasting King. A radical statement for 2015. The Lord is the one true God. We believe that with all of our heart. And that truth is a person, not some impersonal reality. The truth is outside of us in a person, not within us as a person, ultimately. Jesus, I think, gives one of the most radical statements in the face of, really, in teaching his disciples. And we continue to hear it today in John 14, 6, Jesus tells us that I am the way, the truth, and the life. Jesus is claiming to be absolute truth himself. You see, today we're, it's radical enough to just claim that there is some radical or there is some absolute truth. But Jesus is saying that he is absolute truth. His person. Truth is a person, and that is the Lord Jesus. He is the source and the essence of all that is true. That's why his people speak truth. And that falsehood and lying is antithesis, antithetical to who the Lord is. We worship the one who is truth. Truth is a person. Jesus claims to be the truth. That is why. And let us not forget as well that Jesus himself, the one who claims to be truth, points us to the revealed written source of truth, the Holy Scriptures. He is the Word of God made flesh. And yet each and every day we are those who are called and are privileged to pursue Truth, absolute truth, revealed truth from outside of us, that which comes from the person of God written on pages for us to read, understand, interact with, to, to treasure and to obey. That the word of God is the source of truth. John 17, 17, the one who is truth says to his father as he prays, sanctify them, his disciples, in the truth. Your word is truth. Your word is truth. If you're wondering and confused about what truth is, Jesus said, your word is truth. Psalm 119, verse 160, the sum of your word is truth. And every one of your righteous rules endures forever. Timeless, objective, unending, unchanging. Truth. We're called to value the truth. We're called to have an unwavering commitment to the truth because we worship the one who is truth. And the truth of God's word has been revealed to us in the Scriptures. This is who God is. This is an identity of God issue, the truth. To speak falsely is to act in a way that is contradictory and abhorrent to His character, to who He is. 
And so we are a people saved by the one who is true, right? Worshiping the one who is true. That speak the truth to one another. Not only do we speak the truth on the basis of who the Lord is, but also on the basis of, listen to this, the powerful effect that truth has on our lives. Truth is powerful. We saw that kind of in the opening cases, that it's a matter of life and death. And equally so, although still subject to the power and authority of the truth, falsehood has a competing power, doesn't it? That when we submit to it, when we believe a lie, when we embrace a falsehood, it has a powerful effect on our lives and our destinies. And so we speak the truth because of its power. Speaking the truth to one another saves us from our sin that falsehood led us in. I did not mean that to rhyme. It just did. Sounded good though, right? At least to me and my OCD writing. Right? It saves us. The truth has saved us from our sin. And if you remember how we got in sin in the first place, how was it? Right, you remember, the Lord made Adam and Eve, placed them in a garden, set forth His righteous rules, placed them in paradise to enjoy Him and to know Him, to enjoy one another, and life was good. All that, that God had made was good. And then what happened? The craftiness of the serpent came into the situation, and he began to simply question the truth of God. Did God really say... And then when Eve responded to the serpent, when she could have, should have just kind of kicked him in the face, he says, you shall not surely die. A lie. And then the false promise that comes with that lie. When, when you eat of it, you'll be like God. As if they already weren't a representation of God. Satan is a liar. Jesus calls him the, the father of lies. And lies and falsehood are the very beginnings of what? How we fell into sin. Let's see the significance of falsehood. It led us into sin. And the power of truth is that truth saves us from sin. Ephesians 1. In Him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. Other passages talk about when we hear the truth and we believe in the truth that we're saved, that we're declared righteous before God, 
truth saves us from our sin. It has the power to save. Ultimately, and even on a daily basis. Right? Some of us are, are struggling with particular sins. They've got us by the ankles. They've, we believe lies about what is good and what leads to joy. And the psalmist says, how can a young man keep his way pure? How? By living according to your word. That the truth of the word is that which empowers purity in life. If you're struggling, if you're wrestling with a sin, truth will save you. Truth will correct your error and set you on a righteous, pure path before the Lord. Speaking the truth to one another saves us, but it also grows us. One of my favorite verses in the Scriptures, Ephesians 4, 15. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into Him who is the head, namely Christ. That spiritual stagnancy comes because of falsehood or a lack of truth in our lives. But rather, when we, as the people of God, value truth and are willing, no matter how uncomfortable and inconvenient, no matter what the risk in a relationship is, in a spirit and in a posture of love, speak truth, Maturing, the maturation process spiritually happens. Spiritual stagnancy is because there's no connection to the truth of God's Word in Christ. You're wondering, why am I stuck? Why am I not growing? Why am I feeling a disconnect in my relationship with God? I guarantee you, or at least I present to you the possibility that there's some lie, there's some falsehood that you're believing, and maybe you've pulled the plug on interaction with Scripture, and you've pulled the plug on interaction with the preaching of God's Word, even in the midst of corporate worship. Maybe you've pulled the plug on missional community. See, that's what these things are really all about, right? Why do we gather here? Yes, celebrate, glorify God, yes, but to preach the truth, to hear the truth, to encourage you in the faith, to give you a context and an atmosphere whereby you might grow in your faith with Jesus. That's what missional community is about. That's what formation groups are about. They're about growing you in your relationship with God, helping you interact with the truth of God's Word around relationships empowered by the Spirit. That's how gr growth happens. Spirit of God, truth of God, people of God. There's no growing without those three things. It's not going to happen. It's a recipe for maturing. This is how people grow. It's how community is built around truth. You think about uh, the mainline denominations. And I was a pastor of one for about three years. 
and you see that the, the walking away from truth, the, the, as I remember one meeting when I asked the question, what do we do with this passage in Romans in consideration of this issue? And one mainline pastor looked at me and said, we skipped that. And I was like, on my laptop, writing my resignation letter pretty much after that. This isn't me. We're not skipping anything in Romans. God has revealed truth, and we submit our lives to truth. No matter how uncomfortable and inconvenient it may be, the truth of God is what it is. And we seek it, and we bend our wills to it, even when we don't feel like it, and that builds community. But what we see in the mainline church often, and, I, and, I, and, I, and this is not something I'm excited about, so please, I'm not bashing mainline churches at all, but when you see them walking away from the truth, you see them literally dying slowly over time. Without truth, there's no point. There's no anchor. Community begins to crumble. But speaking the truth in love grows us. Amen? We mature in it. We grow up into Christ. It's powerful truth. It's wonderful. Sometimes difficult, but wonderful. I can't help but think about the, in some ways, smallest form of community, and yet the most powerful display of the truth of the gospel. Marriage. And I can't help but think that as I watch so many people struggle and slowly marriages falling apart or at least seeming to at the time, It's usually surrounded or involved with some falsehood or a collection of lies that is entered into the relationship. Or a lack of honesty about something. And trust begins to erode. Betrayal happens. Trust is gone because truth is gone. And the marriages that flourish, and the ones that see reconciliation, the ones that see restoration, are those who no matter what it takes, no matter how uncomfortable it is, no matter how painful and humiliating the process, are those who say, Lord, we hear your truth, and we bend our souls to it, we give our lives to it, and we'll do whatever it takes to see your truth made known and manifest in our relationship. There's no hiding from the truth. There's no avoidance of the truth. There's no pretending. There's authenticity. There's genuineness. And there is truth in marriage. Satan uses lies to ruin people. To crush and crumble community that presents the truth to the world. And so the, the, what needs to happen is a turning away from falsehood. And embracing of the truth. Jim Neuheiser says, nothing is more destructive to a marriage than falsehood. 
in his article on gospel-centered marriages. Nothing is more destructive to a marriage than falsehood. But when truth is spoken, we grow, we mature. And isn't that what marriage is all about? Two people who see Christ as their end, not their own happiness, as Piper talks about. It's not about staying in love. It's not about your happiness. It's about together pursuing Christ, helping one another grow, speaking the truth in love to one another as you approach glory. We speak the truth in love. We grow. Truth strengthens us when we're weak. I'm going to try to wrap up rather quickly here. The law of the Lord is perfect. Reviving the soul. When we're weak in faith, when trials and struggles have torn us up, they've rattled us and they've shaken us and we're confused, we're exhausted. The truth of God's word strengthens us, doesn't it? When we see someone struggling and going through a trial, maybe losing a loved one, Think of funerals. It's wonderful to see the strengthening, the the courage that comes for those who are in the midst of that difficulty to look them in the eye and say the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His goodness never comes to an end. They're new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. When the love seems gone, The truth of God is that His steadfast love endures forever. His mercies are new every morning. Great is His faithfulness even in the midst of this situation. And you see those who lose spouses smile. Because the Word of God strengthens us. Maybe you're going through a trial. Maybe somebody needs to know about it. And I trust that the Spirit of God will prompt that individual to weep with you, to to hug you if need be, but to speak truth from Scripture into your life so as to give you strength. Speaking the truth also protects us. So it saves us, it grows us, it what? Strengthens us, and it protects us. From being led astray. Hebrews 4 talks about not giving up meeting with one another. Why? So that no one is led away by the deceitfulness of what? Sin. That's what sin does. It it deceives us. And it leads us astray. From the living God. Away from the living God. But when we speak the truth to one another, we're protected, right? The law restrains us. The truth of God protects us from falsehood. Jesus said many false prophets will do what? Lead you astray with false teaching. And we see in 1 Timothy that false teaching leads to false living. Truth is powerful. Falsehood competes with that. And I'll tell you what, 
I got a false prophet that comes around with me everywhere I go. Do you know what his name is? I think you know him. Feelings. Feelings is a false prophet that will confuse you and lead you astray. That's not what Jesus meant. Please don't go all theologian. I wasn't talking about it. I'm just telling you about the false prophet that's hanging out with me all the time. Feelings. I know what God says, but I feel like buying that. Right? I know what God says, but I, I really feel like this is what I should do. I really feel like the Lord is saying. When somebody says that, be like, See, the Lord never said that, but they're feeling like the Lord is saying something. Because that's what feelings do. We cannot trust them. Trust comes from truth, not from feelings. We cannot trust our feelings. Feelings will lead us astray. What they do is they create a new truth that we believe, that we're really excited about. Yay, feelings. And we pursue it, and we submit to it. I think feelings are often our greatest foes. They lie to us. They lead us astray from the objective truth of God's word. But there will be other people who will teach you falsely as well, who will speak lies to you. There will be a society, a television set, an iPhone, a relationship, a boss, a coworker, a neighbor, close friends who will plant lies of the enemy in your life in a vulnerable moment, and they will seek to lead you astray. But the truth of God's Word is powerful to protect us from that. Amen? So preach the gospel to your feelings. Be like the psalmist in chapter 42, where he says, uh, Why are you so downcast, O my soul? Why so disturbed within me? What are you so frustrated about? Why are you so grumpy? That's what he's saying. And he, David, he, he preaches to himself. He tells his feelings. He says, put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Truth. He's preaching to his feelings. So we need to be people who know the truth and who preach it to ourselves. It's powerful. It protects us. It saves us from our sin. It grows us in our faith together as we speak it. it. It what? Protects us from falsehood. It strengthens us when we're weary in the faith. And it does all of the above to a world that does not know that which we have. Speaking the truth is tied directly to our mission in this world. And Satan would silence us, would he not? That he may not get us to lie, but man, he can stop us from speaking truth. And that really, every single day as a follower of Jesus, we are those who are sworn under oath to take the stand with every aspect of our lives, and that we are called to answer the question affirmatively. Do you swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? We're witnesses. 
who take the stand. Acts 1.8, you will be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So help you God. So help you God. You'll be my witnesses. Your life will be a literal taking of the stand every day. As people interact with you, as they hear you, as they watch the decisions you make, as they watch what you value, what you treasure, how you treat your spouse, how you work in relationship to your boss, how you treat your co-workers, and please hear this, and what you say, what you say will be a taking of the stand. We speak the truth because we worship the one who is true. And because of the powerful effect that truth has on our lives and on the lives of people that are living in falsehood. The same truth that saved you is the truth that will save every man, woman, and child in North Syracuse. Every man, woman, and child in Baldwinsville, Cicero, Clay, the city. If we withhold the truth, what? Lives are at stake. For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Falsehood will be judged. The father of lies will be condemned and damned forever. Someone say amen to that. And those who hear the gospel, and those who rely fully on the gospel, will be those who stand in truth and will be free from all of that fury from the one true God. There's someone in your life that the Spirit of God continues to prompt, tell them about Jesus. Tell them the truth. You've been scared, you've been maybe hesitant. Speak the truth. Eternities are at stake. Amen? We speak the truth because we worship the Lord who is truth. Because of the powerful effect that truth has on our lives. Amen.